Abraham, you're going to have many descendants who go on their journey, waiting for that baby that never comes. I mean, finally, finally Abraham just laughed when God made the promise yet again. And then Sarah later would also laugh when she heard the promise yet again repeated. And so it's very fitting for when that promised son finally came, he would be named Laughter, which is what Isaac means. So that little bit of introduction, let's go to our text. And I guess I should say a few words to those who are coming in for the first time and wondering what has been such a long time. We're doing a series uh, through Genesis, and we had gotten to Abraham, I don't know, several months, several weeks ago. And there in chapter 12, and God makes that promise to Abraham uh, that he's going to have children. And week after week, we've been in the life of Abraham waiting, waiting for that son to come. So look with me in the text. I'm going to begin reading. And by the way, uh, I, for those of you who might be following in the church Bibles, if you have the NIV, I might throw you off a little bit because I read from the English Standard Version. If you want to follow along in that version, you will see it as an insert in the bulletin. It doesn't matter what translation you have. They're all good. Pretty much are good. (laughs) There are a couple of them I wouldn't mention. Let's read. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And there are two emphases that are made in this passage. First one is this, that Sarah's pregnancy and successful labor was by the supernatural power of God. Sarah's 89 years old when she conceives. I think she's 90 when she bears. Now, there are remarks specifically about God's intervention. You may have noticed that. The Lord visited Sarah. The Lord did to Sarah. There are comments about Abraham's old age. He's 100 years old. And like Sarah would have said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Now, this is not the immaculate conception that you have like with Mary, in which no man played a role. Abraham did father Isaac. But just as certain is the fact that Sarah's conceiving, that is an act of God. And whatever else may have been the reason for that, that long delay between God's promise and the time that is finally fulfilled, 
there's no doubt that now we can take the conception and the birth as no less than being by the power of God's Spirit. So that's one emphasis. It's God's power that causes this to happen. The second one is this, that the birth took place according to the promise of God. Again, let me just repeat a couple of phrases. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. The Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. Sarah bore Abraham a son at the time of which God had spoken to him. And indeed, the promise, that's what the whole story of Abraham has been about. Ever since back in chapter 12, and God says to Abraham, go, for, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. Okay. So since that time, God had again and again, he had promised Abraham descendants. I mean, lots of them. Can you count the grains of the sand? Can you count all the stars in the sky? That's what you're going to have. And time following time, year following year, decade following decade, not one child resulted. Even so, God had made a promise, and he kept that promise. And so there's rejoicing. There is laughter. For that son named Isaac. Again, that's what the name means, laughter. So there's celebration. Look with me in verse 8. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. Even so, there is trouble at home. Look with me beginning in verse 9. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, Cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. Now I have to tell you, I'm kind of going a little bit to the side here, but I've always scratched my head over Peter's remark. In First Peter, Peter upholds Sarah as a model for women to follow, to follow because of her submissiveness. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children. If you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. I mean, I've always looked at that and I thought, really, Sarah? It's Sarah's whose faith in God's promise first faltered. So that she is her idea to give her servant Hagar as a wife to Abraham to bear a son. And as we saw, that did not work out too well. Sarah became jealous of Hagar once Hagar conceived. Had it not been for the Lord's intervention twice, Hagar would have died in the desert. First time while she was still pregnant. The second time now because Sarah's sending her out again, it will be the Lord's intervention that saves her. Now, Sarah has much to be accountable for. 
nonetheless, God uses even her jealousy to fulfill his promise. So verse 12. But God said to Abraham, be not be displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Again, God had promised. He had promised that he would provide descendants through the offspring of Abraham and of Sarah. And so it is through their son Isaac that the promise, the further promise that's going to take later on, will be fulfilled. God will provide for Hagar. He'll take care of of Ishmael. Ishmael will himself become the father of a great nation. And indeed, Ishmael's descendants will prove to be a thorn to Isaac's descendants throughout the generations that are going to come. But the promise, the promise is for Isaac. And it will be passed on through Isaac. And that's what the message of this text is about. Now, as we consider what to take away from this as lessons, let's go back to the original concept that the Pastor Smith had had for this series. Do you remember those promotional cards he, he wanted everyone to take? They're still out there in the narthex. And it's, uh, it's Genesis He's introducing the series. It's Genesis. The people, their problems, God's solutions. That's the kind of the outline we're to follow. And it's not difficult to follow that outline with this text. Who are the people? In this case, it's Abraham and Sarah. What's their problem? Sarah is barren. What is God's solution? He enables her to conceive. If only all problems could just be so easily resolved. But again, as we know, it was that was the problem that would not get resolved. Not for 25 years after God made the promise. And you think about this. Do you know how old Sarah was when the promise was first made? She's 75 years old. She's been married, what, probably over 50 years and has been barren All that time. Now, if we have learned anything through the case study of Abraham and Sarah, it is this. God will carry out his will in his way and in his timing. He doesn't ask us. He doesn't check with us how we want to do it. He makes a promise. He'll carry it out. But in his will, in his way, and in his timing. Now, they're also a lesson in this way. God will carry out his plans even through fallible human beings who falter in their faith, who maybe try to take matters into their own hands. That's what Abraham did. He did that twice, didn't he? He went down to Egypt. He lost faith in God. He calls to Sarah to, to just claim that she is his wife, that he's just a sister. Almost gets in trouble that way. He does it again with Abimelech. You saw that last Sunday. This is the man whom we're supposed to be following as a model of faith. And then we see what Sarah did with Hagar. Point of the matter, again, is God's will will be done. 
despite evidence to the contrary, whether it takes a long time, and despite the integrity of the vessels that he uses. God will carry out his promise to us and even through us. Now, having said all this, Pastor Smith's intent in this series on Genesis, let me tell you what it really is. I know what it is. I mean, he's, he's talked to me about this. I, I've got it. He, he wants us to understand that the stories in Genesis, it's not just kind of a collection of, of stories with morals you're supposed to learn. You know, like, like with Aesop's fables, or you read the story, what's the moral that I'm supposed to get? so that I might be a better person. Now, he's wanted us to see how from the very beginning that the scriptures teach us and they lead us to our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. The gospel, the message of salvation won for us by Christ, it doesn't appear just kind of out of nowhere in the New Testament. You know, there's... You had all these nice stories in the Old Testament, and then, wow, suddenly Jesus comes and there's something completely different. Now, that is the culmination at the, of the end of the Old Testament history. It's what Old Testament foreshadows, what it prophesies about, what it's all leading up to. And so, even so here, the real story of our text, it's not so much about how God keeps promises, and we need to keep trusting that he's going to keep his promises. It's that he is keeping the promise. The promise that will continue through the ages until it comes to fruition. That when the Messiah, Jesus Christ, comes. We've seen before that the Redeemer was first promised way back in Genesis 3.15 as the seed of Eve and of of Adam. We see how this seed is going to be preserved even through a worldwide flood destruction with Noah and his family. They're saved through the ark. That seed goes on down. It lies now in Abraham. And it will now pass through Isaac. And it is through Isaac that God's covenant promise to Abraham of being blessed and becoming a blessing to to all the families of the earth, it's going to be fulfilled through that line. And so it was fulfilled, wasn't it? In the final coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the son of Abraham and of Isaac. And he has come, and now on that cross, he has crushed the head of Satan, as was prophesied in Genesis 3.15. And on that cross, he fulfills the conditions of the covenant, which is perfect obedience. He has fulfilled the requirements of the law, which is punishment for our sins as lawbreakers. And now by the Holy Spirit, the blessings of his atonement going forth everywhere throughout the earth. You know, we pray here and we pray for our missionaries and we think of them going to the far ends of the earth never realizing we're the far ends of the earth as far as Israel is concerned. And it's come to us. We, sitting here in this sanctuary, we are the recipients of these blessings that God promised to Abraham. 
Some of you, perhaps you've read The Lord of the Rings or you've watched a movie. It doesn't do quite as well in the movie, but in, in the book, there's a time in which Sam the Hobbit, he's talking with Frodo, and he's, he's thinking about old stories, and he's recalling the old stories of the what's called the Silmarillion. Let me read it to you, what he says. He's just talking, and he says, Baranam. He never thought he was going to get that Silmaril from the Iron Crown in Thangorodrum. And yet he did. And that was a worse place and blacker danger than ours. But well, that's long tail, of course. And it goes on past the happiness and into grief and beyond it. And the Silmaril went on and it came to Arendelle. And, well, sir, I never thought of that before. We've got. You've got some of the light of it in the star glass that the lady gave you. Why, to think of it, we're in the same tale still. It's going on. That's what's happening here. The tale of promise first pronounced back in the Garden of Eden is still going on. The tale of the promise made to Abraham. The blessings were going to flow from him. To all nations of the earth. We're in that. We're part of that story. God had us in mind. I mean, isn't that an exciting thought? We don't have some light of a jewel. We've got the light of the gospel. We've got the, the light of the world. It is, it is light that frees us from our chains. It frees us from slavery to sin. And it, it frees us from the punishment for our sins. It frees us from the burden of the law that, that is only proven to expose our sin. It only just makes us more guilty than ever. We're free. Free from sin and guilt, from judgment. Free to live to the glory of God in joy. And yet, even Christians saved by grace can sully the light of the gospel as though our redemption accomplished nothing. That is what Paul, the Apostle Paul, addressed in Galatians. That's what that text was that we read earlier uh, is about. And let me read it to you again. This is in Galatians in chapter 4. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, Do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. For slavery to the law. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above, that Jerusalem is free. And she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, You who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. 
Now, you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he was born according to the flesh, persecuted him, who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. But what does Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Now, this use that Paul is doing here of Sagar and Hagar is actually an unusual one for Paul because he's turning the story that we've been reading about into an allegory in which each woman represents a concept. Hagar, because she was literally a slave, she represents the persons who live under and by the law. Sarah, because she's a free woman, she represents the person who lives under grace and by faith. Now, what is interesting to us here is how Isaac is described, and we accordingly, children of promise. That word's coming back up again. Now, here's here's the argument that Paul's trying to make in Galatians. By the way, what, what had happened was he'd gone to Galatia, he presented the gospel, they'd they received it. The, the Holy Spirit had caused them to be born again. They, they, they grasped this understanding of, of grace and they receive it by faith. Paul leaves. Other teachers, so-called Christian teachers, come in and they say, now look, to really be saved, yeah, that's, that's great. You need to have faith in Jesus Christ. But here's what you really need to be doing. You've also got to obey the law of Moses as well. So the people started to, to act that way and live that way. And they, they were thinking that their salvation depended on how well they were going to obey all these laws. And Peter is writing and saying, no, no, no. The promise made to Abraham is just that. It's a promise to be fulfilled by God. Not man. God didn't promise that, you know, someday we're going to be good enough people that we're going to be able to make it on our own. The promise is the redemption that he would bring. And Isaac himself, you think about it, he could be an allegory of this principle. Think back again, his birth. Nobody can dispute that Isaac's conception and birth was by the power of God. It was not by man or woman. In the same way, the gospel is the promised gift from God and from God alone. Not God and somebody else and some other man or some woman helping him out. It is not earned. It is not achieved by anyone doing their best to keep up with all of the laws. The law, ultimately, what it does is it will enslave anyone who tries to live by it. They are enslaved by the sheer number and difficulty of laws to keep. They are enslaved by the uncertainty of ever having done quite good enough. And they are enslaved by the guilt that the law exposes, by the guilt that they feel. It's by faith. By faith we are to live. 
by faith in the promise of God to send his Redeemer, Jesus Christ. We today have faith that he did send that Redeemer. And so by faith, we have faith in the work of the Redeemer on that cross alone. There is no faith plus works. There is no faith plus whatever I can add. For whatever I can add, it only becomes a manacle around my neck or around my wrist, enslaving me again. By faith. Faith, we're to believe in the promise of God. We're to believe in the promised Redeemer. It is through Isaac that God was keeping that promise. It is now through the promised Redeemer that he has kept his promise to provide for our redemption. Let's pray. We give you praise, our God. You're not only a God who makes promises, you're a God who keeps those promises. In your ways, at your timing, you keep those promises. We thank you for the great promise of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you have fulfilled that he has come, that he has won for us our salvation, he and he alone. And we rejoice and give you thanks for such wondrous love as this. In his name we pray. Amen.